Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Nick Abbott. Uh, back to your calls about the uh, police and what it might take to make the police force fit for purpose again in uh, just a while. But first, Simon Marks is LBC's US correspondent and joins us now from Washington, D.C. Hello, Simon. Hello, Nick. So, how has um, the demise, or, well, he hasn't actually gone yet, but the, uh, the, the potential future demise of Boris Johnson been received in the States? Well, it's been very interesting because there's been an enormous amount of attention paid to it and politicians on both sides of the divide here uh, are united on only one thing. They are all offloading their shares in Boris Johnson. Uh, I mean, President Biden issued a statement just a matter of hours after uh, the Downing Street address on Thursday by the Prime Minister uh, in which uh, he was reacting to Boris Johnson's decision to stand aside, but he managed in the statement never to name Boris Johnson. He simply said that the US and the UK would continue to enjoy a special relationship uh, and a relationship that would be particularly uh, advanced in terms uh, of common interests towards Ukraine. So he never articulated Boris Johnson's name in that statement. And then a couple of hours later, uh, as if to underscore their determination to make sure that Boris Johnson is uh, the British Prime Minister whose name will never again tumble from their lips. Uh, the White House Press Secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, asked about the dizzying developments that had taken place in London, gave a, a very elliptical answer that filled a minute and a half and also managed never to use Boris Johnson's name. I mean, far from paying any kind of tribute to him at all. Uh, I, I mean, later in the briefing, she did concede that the two men uh, had uh, certainly established a bit of bonhomie at the uh, G7 summit in Bavaria that had taken place uh, a week earlier but it's pretty apparent that the Biden administration uh, they're just ready for the next guy uh, to come along there's no love lost there at all interestingly Republicans though were also bailing on Boris Johnson uh, with all sorts of analysis taking place on uh, particularly right wing media we saw uh, David Cameron's former strategic advisor Steve Hilton who is uh, now an anchor uh, on the Fox News Channel going so far as to equate uh, Boris Johnson with Joe Biden. I mean, not so much what? Trump Britain. Yeah, I know. Not so much Trump Britain as Trump light. Uh, that this was uh, a leader who just really uh, had completely lost his way, unlike Donald Trump had never uh, been able uh, to uh, salvage the ship and uh, make sure that he remained uh, the dominant force in politics. So they've absolutely bailed on him. But I think the most interesting aspect of the reaction here has been the longing glances across the Atlantic that are coming uh, particularly from the opinion writers in some of the nation's leading newspapers. So we saw Michelle Goldberg, Goldberg uh, writing in the New York Times this weekend expressing sort of astonishment that what she called the UK's still functioning democracy had proved able to dispatch a bombastic populist because his amoral and narcissistic dishonesty were simply too much. She was expressing amazement that unlike the United States, the UK still appears to have some minimal social agreement about acceptable political behaviour. And over in the Washington Post, another columnist here, Max Boot, was uh, writing that it's a tribute to the British political system that Boris Johnson is finally being removed from office and a terrible indictment of the 
the US political system that Trump could still return to it. There is this sort of realisation here that there were no Rishi Sunaks or Sajid Javids or any of the others, uh, even at the worst moments of the Trump administration, who said, OK, this is finally the straw that breaks the camel's back. We are going to stand up and say enough. And while, you know, Messrs Sunak and uh, Javid will spend the rest of their lives explaining why they waited so long uh, to summon the courage to stand up and say enough is enough, all of those enablers in Donald Trump's inner circle, well, many of them, continue to enable him. We still haven't had that moment here. Yeah, I suspect that they, that they, they are protesting too much. I suspect that the two things, the Americans uh, clinging or the Republicans clinging to Trump and the conservatives ejecting Johnson are actually two sides of the same thing, which is self-interest. I think that the conservatives have uh, defenestrated Boris Johnson because they would be better off without him and the Republicans are keeping Donald Trump because they would be better off with him. Yeah, with with one sort of additional thought on that, which is that the two countries are in a slightly different position. I mean, Donald Trump, as we've discussed time and again on the programme, absolutely mainstreamed the far-right fringes of the Republican Party that now have come to dominate the Republican Party. Uh, and while there's been some of that mainstreaming that's obviously taken place within the Conservative Party, there is still, it would seem, an opportunity to return to some semblance of orthodoxy and normal political behaviour. I mean, I guess we're all going to find out in the next few weeks and months on that side of the Atlantic, whereas, because, I mean, we saw white supremacists marching through the streets of Philadelphia a week ago on uh, July the 4th weekend, and it didn't raise a, a national eyebrow. I mean, barely got any notice at all. I mean, the mainstreaming of those extremist fringes of the Republican Party by Donald Trump absolutely continue to be a bit of a ball and chain around any Republican who hopes to return to some semblance of pre-Trump Republican politics, because there's no, there's no bridge back to it. And I wonder if um, Joe Biden is in danger of becoming a ball and chain around the Absolutely. Democratic Party because it was the New York Times that came out and said uh, the thing that, well, I mean, I've, I've said this uh, already on this show, and I'm not, certainly not the only one, that Biden is actually too old to run again. It's, it's not, it's not a, a number thing, it's that he appears to be too old. Yeah, I, I, and this is now the quiet stuff that is increasingly being said out loud. Uh, the New York Times saying it uh, now, a couple of weeks ago, it was the Atlantic magazine that sort of first broke that silence and said, let's get real, he can't possibly run for re-election uh, in 2024. He is apparently absolutely furious at the notion uh, that he's unable to run for re-election, and we believe that some weeks ago he told Barack Obama uh, that it was absolutely his intention to seek a second term, but the numbers are are woeful. I mean, this week his approval rating has dropped to a record low in the Monmouth survey of 36 percent. Is it just uh, the economy that's doing that? I, mean, I think it's kind more of, than that. Right, I think it's, it's 
I think it's a lack of delivery. We're still sitting here with a shortage of baby formula. I mean, right. we don't talk about the baby formula stuff anywhere near enough. I mean, it, it, even though there have been, I think, 15 or 16 flights carrying baby formula into the country, and Lord only knows what the carbon impact of all of that is. The environmentalists, uh, who are all, of course, uh, pretty pro-Democrat, uh, aren't digging into that with particular uh, enthusiasm. I mean, you still can't find baby formula on the shelves. Uh, he's opened himself up to the criticism that he cares more about Russia's border with Ukraine than he does about America's border with nations to the south. Uh, and, you know, and then there are, there are other issues, uh, uh, more recent issues like abortion, which we'll talk about in a moment, that are also uh, beleaguering him. But that, that poll this week, I mean, first of all, his approval rating is now lower than Donald Trump's approval rating was at this point wow. during his presidency. Really? And you've now got 88% of adults, I mean, that's up from 85% a week ago, saying they believe that under Joe Biden, the nation is on the wrong track. Now, how high? I mean, there's only 12% more to go before you've, you know, you've, you've, you've got the whole country. I mean, you kind of wonder who the 12% are that think we're on the right track. Um, so there is just, I think, an abiding sense that is spreading through the Democratic Party that he can't possibly uh, think that he's going to run again. And the mm. big moment that will change everything, of course, will be the midterm elections this November, because yeah. if Democrats lose control of the House of Representatives and possibly the Senate, you know, the only question anyone's going to want to ask Joe Biden the following morning is, are you seriously still thinking of running for re-election? Yeah, you mentioned abortion. Uh, that might be one issue that plays into the hands of the Democrats, because it's ap apart from the uh, the religionists and those who want to restrict a woman's ability to uh, have sex when she wants, then th it's not an entirely popular policy. This uh, banning abortion is it? No, but this, I'm afraid, is another issue on which, for Joe Biden's White House, there isn't much good news. They are being assailed by abortion rights activists and a younger generation of Democrats for not reacting viscerally enough to what the Supreme Court did when it uh, struck down Roe versus Wade. We've seen just this weekend Joe Biden's own director of communications putting, it out, putting out a statement uh, to try and... Uh, push back at some of this criticism saying that Joe Biden's goal in responding to the Supreme Court decision is not to satisfy some activists who have been consistently out of step with the mainstream of the Democratic Party and that has only created more difficulty for the White House at the hands of that younger generation of abortion rights activists who point to the fact that just a few weeks ago, Democrats in the House of Representatives, pretty much all of them, voted in favour of an abortion law that, of course, is never going to end up on the statute books that would basically um, make abortion legal all the way up to the point of birth. So the idea that this younger generation of activists is out of step with the mainstream of the Democratic Party, uh, I mean, it's more likely that it's Joe Biden who's out of step with the mainstream of the Democratic Party. He signed executive orders with a flourish on Friday at the White House on abortion, but no one knows or can understand what these executive orders are designed to achieve beyond trying to create the 
illusion that he's doing something on abortion. He said again today that he hasn't got a magic wand and he can't make abortion legal nationally. It can only be done through uh, efforts that take place on Capitol Hill. And, of course, the Democrats don't currently have the numbers to do that on Capitol Hill. Uh, there was um, an, um, an amusing... Uh, uh, it's not really an abortion story, it's, it's a pregnant story that, uh, about a woman who was um, trying to get away with... Uh, well, you, you've got the story, you tell us. <laughs> yeah, this is a woman who was driving in the HOV lane of a Texas highway. That's the high occupancy uh, uh, lane that you're only allowed to drive in if there's more than one person in the car. Uh, and you will, if you take your car and drive it and there's only you in the car through this faster lane of highway uh, uh, of roadway you will get stopped and so this woman brandy batone who is 34 weeks pregnant was indeed stopped by a police officer who said um is there anyone else in the car and she uh, motioned and gestured at her pregnant uh, belly and said well yes my uh, my unborn child is with me in the car and the police officer said, well, I'm sorry, that doesn't count. There have to be two people, you know, two people in the car. Um, and she said, well, hang on a second. You know, you can't actually have it both ways. I mean, if the governor of Texas insists that my unborn child actually is human from the point of conception onwards, um, then surely I have the right to say that my unborn child is the second person in the car. Anyway, they've slapped her with a uh, with a fine, I think $275 uh, ticket, although um, I think she's got the opportunity to try and appeal it. But you're going to see more and more of this stuff going on. There was another uh, story that took place here this weekend uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, one of the conservative majority on the Supreme Court, tried to have dinner at a Washington steakhouse the other night mm. and word leaked that he was there and protesters descended on the place and he had to leave through the back door and the restaurant chain put out a statement saying it's a disgrace, everybody's got the right to enjoy a good steak in a state, you've got a right to enjoy your dinner uh, unmolested in a restaurant and of course that's led to all sorts of uh, 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 sort of opinion being proffered from from the left that says, well, I've looked in the Constitution and it doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution that you've got an untrammeled right to enjoy dinner in a restaurant uh, <laughs> without being interfered with. So uh, these, these, these discussions are definitely going to uh, continue taking place. Well, it sounds like a time for an amendment. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> what about Elon Musk and Twitter? What on earth is going on there? Well, a man who was never, ever going to buy Twitter in the first place has now decided that he's not going to buy Twitter. I mean, I think it was pretty apparent from the get-go that this was uh, a vanity effort by a pretty mercurial individual uh, offering $44 billion to buy a social media platform. He did buy some of it, though, didn't he? I mean, he's got, he's yeah, got he like did. He bought, like he bought, yeah, 15% he bought, of the shares. He bought, I think, 8, eight or 9% right. initially. He may have upped that, and then he said, I want the rest of it, and I'll buy everything for $44 billion. Yeah. So he So he definitely bought enough initially to secure himself a seat on the board, although ultimately they didn't give him a seat on the board because they said he'd failed a background check. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he refused a, a seat on the board. No, 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 he wanted a seat on the board, wow. but then the, 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 the chair of the board said, we have now agreed with him that after background checks were conducted, that he will not, after all, be occupying a seat on the board. Wow. So then money went, money can't buy you everything. <laughs> not. Lord knows what was in the background check. So then he made the $44 billion offer to buy the platform. Yeah. 
Um, very few Wall Street analysts believed he had the money to do it, especially given the difficulties that Tesla uh, has been going through over the last few months mm. with all of the supply chain issues depressing its share price and so on. And so now he's decided he's not going to buy it in this spat that he sort of created uh, with the board of Twitter over how many accounts on the platform are fake. He says he hasn't yes. seen evidence to support their their claims that only 5% of the, the That was the, the legal get-out, wasn't it? Well, well, let's see if it is, because the board says they're going to hold him to the $44 billion offer, and they're going to pursue him legally. So, And I thought that um, if, even if they don't get him for the $44 billion, if, if they can't make him buy the whole thing, I thought that if either side backed out, then they would have to give up a billion dollars as a fine. Yeah, I mean, this, is, this has the potential definitely to cost him. And, I mean, the only people that are going to do well out of this, inevitably, will be members of the legal profession. Yep. <laughs> uh, and this will be mired in the courts for years, uh, for years and years to come. But uh, I, it does not look like he's going to end up owning Twitter, and users of Twitter will decide how they feel about that for themselves. Good to talk to you, Simon, as Cheers, always. Nick. Simon Marks, LBC's US correspondent, talking to us there from Washington, D.C.